Welcome to Telltales, an investing podcast hosted by Hunt Lawrence, Jason Wallace, and Mike Nicoletti. Each week, we discuss topics ranging from geopolitics and macroeconomics to energy and technology. You can sign up for our newsletter at telltales.us. That's T-E-L-L-T-A-L-E-S dot U-S for additional data and content you can use to follow along. The following conversation is intended for informational purposes only. You should always do your own work to determine if an investment is suitable for you. Let's start from the back to the front because we're going to spend a lot of time on the software companies and what AI means to them and, and Mike and Jason's insights on that. I'm going to try to redo Exhibit C this weekend, World Oil Demand, to reflect the cuts that OPEC plus Russia plus Saudi Arabia have done. So in Exhibit C next week, there, there, there will be a few changes. Oil did behave better this week. Uh, WTI is kind of in the 75 range, up from 72. But it is a bit alarming have the Saudis have to curtail production, hold the price of oil. So I especially want to look at the demand numbers, especially the China demand numbers. It may be that those are the ones on Exhibit C are too optimistic. On on uh, Exhibit B, these gas numbers are pretty, pretty fresh. They, they've been updated pretty well, I think. The crucial number here for those of you with the 20 pages plus the three exhibits in front of you, is the uh, U.S. production. And I'm a little worried about this. I'm going to look at this this weekend, too, because I have 23 production at 100, just a little over 100 bees a day, and it, it's running year-to-date at 101. And as you can see, that has been the problem. If you go back to 2020, um, production was around 90. And it got all the way to 100, so it went up 10 bees a day now. And what this forecast assumes is that it flattens out, and it has flattened out, but it may flatten out a little higher level. LNG is the great hope for the gas business. But the good news, and it's reflected in these numbers, that with the heat and with retirement of coal plants, gas use for power is up by 2 bees a day. And one of the questions in addition to thinking about what are reasonable production numbers for 24 and 25, is could that continue? And I just have it going up half a B a day in 24 and half a B a day in 25. That may be a little pessimistic. On Exhibit A, you know, we've had the debt ceiling agreement. There's no question that spending in that all other category is going to come down. And again, I, I've got some new data that Vivian's hunted up for me, and I'm going to try to put on CBO data, put on see whether or not the, the, that deficit, which is supposed to be a trillion four this year, a trillion six next year, and a trillion seven the year after, has moderated at all with the debt ceiling agreement. don't really have anything on page 20. The NVE, that company that we added there, which has so much cash flow. It's a smallish company, but has so much cash flow per employee. I think Mike and Jason and I just think we'll watch that for a quarter or two. Page 19, the healthcare companies, well, Regeneron, which is pharmaceutical, but the healthcare companies, United Health and CBS, 
I'll update those this weekend. In a very real sense, they run the Medicare and Medicaid programs for, for the government, for the states. The commodity companies on page 8, <clears throat> Abramal is, lith is lithium, and, and, you know, worth looking at. Report is copper, and copper can't get out of its own way. Nextera is considered to be the best utility, but you see they have negative free cash flows, so I don't know that that recommends spending much time. If the best utility has negative free cash flow, uh, I don't know whether we want to spend too much time looking at that part of the capital markets. Page 17 is FedEx, UPS, Aki, Costco. One of the things we talked about last weekend is free cash flow. These are pretty large companies, and they don't have really that much free cash flow. Clearly, on this page, UPS is, but you know, has twice as much as FedEx, so it's well up them. The restaurant companies, once again, a little skinny for cash flow. I mean, Chipotle's been a fantastic company, and it's gotten larger, but still only has two billion of free cash flow. We haven't spent any time looking at the uh, BioNTech or Moderna. They're interesting, but their free cash flow depends on COVID vaccine sales, some residual COVID vaccine sales this year. And, you know, it's not, not quite clear whether that's going to happen. Mike and Jason have found Vertex and Lantheus, which are companies with free cash flow and pretty good pipelines or, or some new products coming along. So kudos for Mike and Jason for finding those two companies. The next line i have a point i want to make and I, I will get through all this pretty quickly because we got to do software but on page 14 we have cat deer generic generic just can't seem to find its way you know it's it's the generators that that we all use at homes but they sell through a dealer network and they just they went they, they've stopped performing and they blame the dealer network it's, it's like like a school kid saying the dog ate my homework so it's, it's disappointing because Generic had had a pretty good record. Caterpillar and Deer are just good companies. And one of them has $7 billion of free cash flow. That's Cat. And the other one has $9 billion of free cash flow. That's Deer. They are very good companies. And we were talking last, last week about what's a reasonable multiple times free cash flow. These are very good companies. They may not be able to increase their cash flow, 10%, free cash flow 10% a year, but they're each trading around 15 or 16 times free cash flow which the inverse of that would be about a 6.5% yield. The two companies I want to call attention to are Transdon and Fastenal. Mike can confirm, but these companies have been winners. They're up probably 30, 40 times from their public offerings. Transdon is different. It does parts for uh, airliners, and it pays down its debt. Then it issues debt to and does special dividends. And then Fastenal is a company that I became aware of, unfortunately, way after it was founded. If you bought a thousand shares of Fastenal when it came public uh, for nine thousand dollars, that's now six or seven million dollars of dividends and equity value. So I found it much later. But Lawrence family account is up, oh, I don't know, four or five times on Fastenal. Fastenal is different because they pay a dividend, and Transdyne doesn't. So I'm not saying that Transdyne maybe doesn't have better prospects for a better probability of increasing its free cash flow from a billion seven as compared to Fastenal to a billion three. But you do have that, that leverage, that $19 billion of debt in trans time. So something to think about when evaluating the things you own or the things you're looking at. 
Uh, page 13 of the financial companies, J.P. Morgan and some of the others are going to announce their, their June 30 earnings tomorrow. I'm going to skip over the gas companies and the oil companies and the midstream companies and the Exxon companies, except to say that if you start looking for things that are trading at you know, eight or nine times free cash flow rather than 20 times free cash flow, most of these energy companies are in that eight or nine times range or maybe lower. Page eight is the retailers, Target and Walmart. Target has been having trouble. Walmart performs okay, but Walmart's a giant company. Amazon and Walmart are neck and neck for selling more stuff to people. And Walmart only has 13 billion of free cash flows. So the two companies that really stand out here are Home Depot and Lowe's because they have, I mean, Walmart, Walmart does 600 billion of sales. Lowe's does under 100 billion. Lowe's has 11 billion of free cash flow. Walmart has 13. So it's just more profitable. And Home Depot even more. Home Depot does 160 million billion of sales, 21 billion of free cash flow. And those two companies trade for 15 or 16 times. So this gives us some context, I think. Mastercard, Visa, and PayPal. Well, PayPal's not performing that well, but. MasterCard and Visa have been fantastic companies for a long time. Once again, both at 30 times free cash flow. AT&T and Verizon and Mobile, I think we'll just skip over that. Charter and Comcast. Once again, not bad companies. Challenge from a technical point of view, but pretty low multiples times free cash flow. So once again, ways to you know try to provide comparisons for other companies, especially the tech companies. Now, the tech companies on the first few pages. Why is that? Well, because we have availability at Mike and Jason are part of these calls. The other thing is that if you if you summed up all the free cash flow in these 20 pages, a remarkably high percentage would be with the tech companies. That's where the free cash flow has been. Now, the stock market is up like 15% or the S&P is up 15%. It'd be up 4% if were it not for several of tech companies. So, a good question is, what happens now? Do the tech companies come down? Do the rest of the market come up? Uh, who knows? But the, <clears throat> we spent lots of time on AI and NVIDIA and AMD and, and ASML, and those are all good companies. And it's hard, you know, obviously buying them earlier was, would have made more sense. But the thing I think we want to focus on for, I've chewed through about 14 minutes here, I think we want to focus on page two which is the software companies. And the question is, what is AI and, uh, and cloud companies needing a heck of a lot more GPUs and, and all up and down the organization, people wanting access to large language programs and being told by their bosses or their tech experts, don't, don't use chat GPT because they can scrape data. In other words, we can take data on our servers and wind up and go you know, out the out the internet. With that, I'm just going to see if Mike or Jason have anything to add or anything to disagree with in the 14 minutes we spent so far going from the backup to page two. You, you made an interesting observation about the per percentage of free cash flow generated being tech. I, I like to think that tech has gone beyond its own sector and really has, uh, you think about Amazon, it's really a retailer at the end of the day and a data center operator. So 
maybe unfair to say that tech itself has generated all this cash flow. It's all these existing, or in some cases, new areas have just been engulfed by technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, page two doesn't include Uber, but they're a tech company. But at the end of the day, they're they're a taxi company and food delivery service. So I, I would agree with that. Yep. Yep. And I, I would I would agree with Amazon. And in fact, just the Amazon's on page four with the streamers with Netflix and Disney and and Facebook. I'm not quite sure how that connection those four companies connect. But Amazon famously does not have free cash flow for the first time in a long time. So Jassy, the new CEO, has his work cut out for him to get that back into that is something that Bezos would not have sanctioned, you know. I'm not saying Bezos is going to come back to fix the problem, but Jassy really has to get after that, I think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think if he doesn't get it sorted in the next couple of years, Jeff Bezos would come back. Although he seems to be having a pretty good time with his new yacht. Yeah. yeah, the, <laughs> And rockets. The, the, largest, <laughs> the largest sailboat in the world seems to have gotten his attention now. Mm-hmm. But excellent point, Jason, that you know, Uber's a taxi company and Amazon's a retailer. So, I mean, it's appearing more in the newspaper, a, a lot of the stuff we've talked about, about people on all levels of an organization, from the R&D scientists to people trying to keep track of the books. They want these large language programs. And the software companies, maybe we, maybe we could pass it in on Snowflake. I mean, obviously, Microsoft made their deal with OpenAI invested $10 billion in OpenAI and will use the capability there in all their products. And then the question becomes if, say, on Goldman Sachs, because they publicly announced it, we will not allow any of our employees to uh, interact with you know with chat programs. We don't want what we have on our servers uh, be scraped by these guys. That means that Goldman's going to have to have their own. Otherwise, there'll be mutiny. So the question we've been asking Jason and, and Mike's chipped in is that are you a candidate for NVIDIA to come in and set up your own servers with the GPUs or you go to Microsoft Azure or Amazon Web Services and say, can you do, can you do a walled off a large language program? And, you know, we'll know for sure by this time next year how it goes. But I think that the conclusion we've come to the last couple of Wednesdays is it's going to vary for the really high value kind of R&D effort. Yeah, they, they they may insist on getting their own phalanx of own server farms of GPUs. For general use, general corporate use, probably you'll go to uh, one of the cloud providers. Anything more on that, Jason? Yeah, I, I think there's a third option, and that that's you go to your data warehouse provider today. So I don't know what Goldman uses. It's likely one of the four companies on page two here they're all they all share a similarity as, as they host they'll host your corporate data salesforce obviously they have all your your sales and, and client and customer data so you've already entrusted all that to them but either microsoft through their database products or they, they have a a product called synapse that's similar to snowflakes and then oracles you know obviously a, a historically they're a database company so you know, it, it's very costly and time-consuming to move data around. So if one of these companies holds all your data today already, they're going to be looking to plug in these language models into their products. And instead of going to 
OpenAI's website or Anthropic's website and start chatting with this language model that you don't know where it resides and you don't know what happens to the data, you'll go to Snowflake and you'll use their interface that you already use today for your, your BI tools and you will start interfacing it with it that way. So I, I think that's where you'll see this go. And the first steps in that is this partnership that NVIDIA and Snowflake have, have recently forged where Snowflake's going to buy a lot of their hardware, sure, but they're also going to use their their different models, whether it's language models or or anything past that. And you can train that specifically on your your data in, in the Snowflake data warehouse. So you've already kind of got your data walled off there. You might as well use that as your training set as well. Jason, since we're talking about data warehouses, would you also lump in a company like Teradata? There's an opportunity there, right? We, we haven't looked at Teradata in a long time and never looked at it from a long perspective. But like, right, and we've, that's a good point. When we last looked at them, it was, it was a few years ago and, and they were lagging in technology. But this potentially is their opportunity to catch up. And they had a lot of Fortune 500 customers there. So I don't know if some of those customers have shifted over to the newer Snowflakes or Databricks or those kind of products. But oh, they all were moving in some level of speed, slower, most slower than you would expect. But right. it's a very expensive database and it's not performant in certain ways performant, but certainly not from a modern technology perspective. But certainly worth a look, yeah. Jason, I noticed in the Oracle Oracle's on a May year, so they had a press release um, issuing their 10K, and the quote by Larry Ellison was that NVIDIA was using their cloud service. I, I think the implication was that since Oracle had put together their server farms more recently, they had more uh, more higher percentage of GPUs and, and more speed that accommodate the language programs that the NVIDIA staff wanted to use. Yeah, I'm not sure how much truth to that there is. I mean, it's probably certainly not wrong. I think they cut a deal where they were the first ones to get the latest NVIDIA hardware. So as part of that agreement, they, they probably provided some some level of infrastructure back to NVIDIA because NVIDIA themselves, they're, they're, you can even think of them as a software company today, even though we talk about how many GPUs they sell. But they have all the same models and then some that all of these companies provide, whether they're language models or predicting how proteins interact or chemistry models or even image and video generation. And they, they have to train them somewhere as well. So the NVIDIA has this concept of the NVIDIA cloud, but behind the scenes, it's, it's running on Oracle. Mm-hmm. What about Amazon seems to have held NVIDIA at arm's length? Do you think that's a risk to Amazon's position? I don't believe so. They definitely are a big buyer of the hardware. They don't provide the, the models, but they've partnered with another company, Hugging Face, that they generate a lot of the AI and language models that Amazon will provide. Amazon, historically, they provide a, a software tool from another company or open sourced um, in their cloud, and then they'll kind of build their own version of it and in-house that and sell that as a service entirely, you know, encapsulated in their own walled garden and, that, and then kind of downplay the other product. I think that's happened. MongoDB has been pretty successful in, in maintaining customers 
through Amazon, but there's been a couple other cases where the original developer of the technology gets kind of cut out of the, the equation. Right. So I don't think they'll get left behind. They, they certainly host a lot of customer applications and a lot of data. And where the data is, that's, I believe, in the end where, where all the training is going to happen. I'd say with their scale, they're running a strategy that the others can't really do, and, and that's to commoditize your compliments. So Amazon wants all these AI models to be open source, and they want them to run on their servers under their terms. So the value mostly accrues to, to Amazon. The others, like Oracle, Oracle doesn't have that option because they just don't have any adoption in the cloud. By being NVIDIA first, they actually all of a sudden are far more relevant than they were you know, two, three, four years ago. Right, and I think it's a good strategy. The open AIs and the Anthropics get all the attention today, and, and they have these insane valuations, but I think ultimately those come way down. The moat is around owning the data and not necessarily the algorithm that chugs through that data. It, it's, we're seeing a lot of companies develop very similar products um, being, being AI models, and I, it doesn't seem like the barrier is to developing those AI models. Hey Jason, when you talk about training, is that is uh, is that having a set of algorithms that gets the job done? It's it's having one algorithm that's going to chug through all of your data for days and weeks at a time, and and train that model to to do a particular function, whether that's answer questions about your data through text or generate graphs or. You know, if it's if it's sales, Salesforce sales data, you know, gen, maybe it's generate ads to do lead generation. So, how many people, how many different entities have that capability at this point? Do you think? You know, OpenAI, Google, probably more than most, but sure. Is that widely available, or will it become widely available, or? I'm going to your point about the person with the defendable position as the one who stores the data. Yeah, there, there's a there's a handful of companies that are doing it. The ones you mentioned, there's another one that recently got purchased by Databricks called Mosaic ML, the one that Amazon's partnered with, Hugging Face. But there's, there's quite a few, and I, some of this is open sourced. So if, you're, if you have a team of engineers that's smart enough, you can train them up on doing it, and maybe you're behind the curve on with the competition, but they could certainly certainly do it. And, and it seems like half the half the industry is open sourcing what they're doing, and the other half is keeping it closed. And and OpenAI was supposed to be in the the open source side, but now that's they've changed course. But I did see that it, it got leaked. Someone published the all the details on the infrastructure that they used to train their algorithms, and that sounded like that was their secret sauce. So, you know, that's out there now, too. Right. So if, if, I don't know, some number, $30, $40 billion is, you know, some large number has been invested by venture firms in the last 12 months trying to do what, trying to develop these algorithms or present themselves as being someone that, you know, Amazon has to buy or, or Apple has to buy or whatnot. How many different entities are a serious effort to develop the kind of 
capability that OpenAI first showcased in October. Easily, I can think of a half dozen, and there's there's likely more that you know have not been public about it. But, you know, I wasn't including Meta. They're they're certainly doing a lot of stuff that they're going to retain in house. I I can't imagine Amazon's not working extremely hard at this, but they've not published what they're doing in house either. I think all the big companies are definitely charging headfirst at this. Oh, I know Tesla's doing a lot too. Absolutely. Nobody, nobody really talks about that, but their foundational models will be tailored more specific to robotics interacting in the physical universe. So, you know, what they use for a self-driving car will probably be a pretty similar model, maybe even the same foundational model that they use for their humanoid robots. Remember a couple of Wednesdays ago, uh, we noticed that the Ford CEO said that Ford and other EV manufacturers were way behind Tesla in making the cars and the software necessary to uh, make the cars kind of a startling admission. Right. And not surprising from our perspective, I think. It's it's interesting that AI has all of a sudden gotten very, you know, it's the topic du jour. But the reality is most of our interaction with AI to date has sort of been obfuscated from the user. There's the previous generation of most impressive artificial intelligence models were recommender systems. And those, most people didn't even realize they were operating, but basically... Oh, the, everyone was using them daily. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Instagram, Facebook, all of those are ad placements Netflix. that are being done by artificial intelligence models. YouTube, all of that stuff. So... This is just the next wave, and I think there will be another wave afterwards. And I think the mistake that people make is that you, you take an initial assessment of where the technology is to, today and say, well, that doesn't solve a, a problem that I have. But what you need to do is recognize that the growth and the capabilities of these things are not going to be linear. They're going to be exponential. So what we're talking about six months from now will probably be twice as good as what we're talking about today. Right. Great. We'll continue with this next Wednesday. In the meantime, everyone be well and stay healthy. And and remember, we have a challenge. We found that NV company, any less than billion dollar company that you can find for us to uh, pull apart that have free cash flow, growing free cash flow, we're interested. Take care, everyone. The views expressed on this podcast are the host alone and do not constitute an offer to sell or a recommendation to purchase or a solicitation of an offer to buy, any security nor a recommendation for any investment product or service. While certain information contained herein has been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, neither the host nor any of their employers or their affiliates have independently verified this information and its accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Accordingly, no representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made as to and no reliance should be placed on the fairness, accuracy, timeliness, or completeness of this information. The hosts and all employers and their affiliated persons assume no liability for this information and no obligation to update the information or analysis contained herein in the future and may or may not hold positions in the securities mentioned. 